0: Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, we welcome you to the Storyform Podcast, and today I have as my guest uh, two gentlemen who who need no introduction around Fellowship Bible Church, uh, Eugene Bront and Randy Pearson. And I'm having them on the podcast because very soon we're going to be celebrating Fellowship's 20-year anniversary. Fellowship is turning 20 years old, and so it's moving out of adolescence into adulthood. And Eugene and Randy have been here all along the way. And so I've asked them to come on the podcast and talk about something specific. There'll, there'll be times in the anniversary celebration where we share memories and milestones, but what I wanted to talk to both of you about is your your personal stories, your personal history, and, and maybe even what you are feeling kind of in your, your inner world as a leader as it's connected to the history of, of this church. So let's start Eugene, from the very beginning, before any of this existed, before you were even called to fellowship, as you think back as a young leader, what were the things that you dreamed about for the church?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, I grew up in the church. Randy and I both share that both of our, our fathers were in ministry, and um, different in many regards, but both of us had this passion for the church instilled in us at an early age, uh, seeing ways it was life-giving and then ways that it was broken and wanting to emphasize the life-giving pieces and maybe see some um, restoration where the brokenness was. And I think uh, as as I was in seminary, I'd become infatuated with the academic realm (coughs) while there. It's not unusual. And so I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to now become a professor. And my father was a professor, so that was it was some connection there. But it was a visiting period in Little Rock at Fellowship Bible Church, where I saw a really healthy church doing really good things, and um, and a dormant fire lit again. I, I want to be a part of a life giving church, mm-hmm. um, something on this scale, doing these kinds of
0: things. This is worth a life. Mm-hmm. So that a lot of that was captured just in your time growing up as a pastor's kid, seeing the health of the church, but also experiencing a church like Fellowship in Little Rock that you said, this is the kind of life-giving church that's involved in the community, that's in embodying these realities that are seeing people come to faith and just the health of that captured you.
1: Yeah, Um the the emphasis on excellence mm-hmm. that Little Rock had and the way that that wasn't just done out of personal pride, but as a sense of worship, we're going to do things well. Uh, so often I'd seen slapdash Christianity and it's good enough for the church. Uh, and in Little Rock, I saw a church that said, he deserves nothing but our very best. And and that that really... Not only was that good theology, but while in practice, it was so effective.
0: Mm-hmm. Randy, how about you? Before any of this existed, what were the
2: things that were in you that you dreamed about for a church? Same as Eugene, I grew up in the church, uh, different setting, um, country Baptist church in the in the hills of North Carolina, and but even at a young age, I I. Thought as I read the Bible for myself that there was more to the church um, than what I was seeing. And I went in search of that. And part of that search found me at a Christian Missionary Alliance church in college where strong discipleship, strong mission emphasis. And so I was really discipled in college through this CMA church. Then on, I uh, fell a calling to, um, to become a pastor. And my dad was a preacher. Was a preacher. We called him preacher, actually, and um, that was his name. And but I didn't aspire to that part of ministry. Uh, I did aspire to the pastoral side, and my gifts were more geared toward uh, music and and working with teenagers at the time in my early career, and uh, and then eventually into administration, things like that. But I uh, always loved missions as well. And, but when I went to Dallas Seminary, uh, I was a part of a Bible church, and I understood what that was about at that time. And so that kind of, this, this idea in my head that was there as a young man kind of started forming more and more clearly as to what kind of church I would like to be a part of. And so I came out into ministry at a couple of small churches um, early, first 10 years of ministry medium size wouldn't be wouldn't be small. Seven eight hundred people, and I visited Little Rock um, in ninety seven, and just called them up and asked to go over there because I'd heard about their health and their philosophy, and their strategy, and I, I really really admired it. And heard I just some Dallas guys that were a part of that, and so I just called up and said, kind of come over and visit. So I spent two or three days over there, met various team members in youth ministry and worship ministry. Got to sit in on some planning uh, for Sunday morning, which was eye-opening. And as Eugene said, I saw a vibrant, healthy church. And I recall uh, talking to the receptionist, and she was excited about the vision and purpose of the church, and she knew it just in a short conversation with her. And it, it struck me that Everybody on campus, everybody that attended that church understood what the church was about and what was there for. And that was exciting to me to know that you could get on board. And And their corporate values were so simple. I could explain them in 30 seconds to anyone, and they became our corporate values, too. Worship growth, community service, uh, the whole idea of what it looks like to be a balanced Christian. And so, yes, I saw Little Rock, and I thought, hey, that's really the culmination of what I'd searched for my whole life as far as what is it really – you know i couldn't really i couldn't write it down exactly the way i the way I would describe it now now today I would describe it who we are, mm-hmm. which is a reflection of fellowship little rock so it it was it's been a neat process to to come to uh, understanding what the the new testament church a healthy new testament new testament church looks like mm-hmm. yeah so
0: both of you had this idea that you both grew up in the church you both were pastors' kids, and so you probably saw both the healthy parts of church, but also the parts that you said, I'm not going to do that, or hopefully we'll have a different experience as we lead in this way. And so that was something that fueled and and captured. And then you kind of saw it in concrete when you went to little rock, but then there's still nothing here. There's still, it's still a dream. It's still a vision. So, Speak to those early days. If you can give a little bit of language, that, that it was a risky endeavor. I mean, you know, you're starting something from nothing. So, I mean, I, the emotion that comes to mind for me is I'd be scared to death.
2: Well, um, it was the fall of 2000. Y2K had been a crazy year, a year of change, really. And for the Pearson family, it was a big year of change. And um, I left a church I'd been working in for 10 years And just kind of Didn't know what the next step was And I I'd, I'd uh, Just built a new house A couple of years prior And I have a child with special needs And so the house was perfect for him And the situation here in Jackson was perfect for him And so I felt really compelled to consider What it looked like to stay in Jackson And do ministry And so I, I took six months To figure it out Just pray and um, had people in my life who were uh, dear friends who were encouraging me and asking me questions and kind of probing like what 's next what do you think and i didn 't know I, I didn't i didn 't see myself as a church planter um, i didn 't have that dream of going out and starting from scratch but we um, after six months, so many people had asked to you know get together, so we started a Bible study. And Jimmy Ward had one at his house as well, and, and there were 30 strong adults, and, and actually there were 30 kids downstairs, too. And so we always had that combination of children and adults. It was, that was fun. Um, and so just through that process, we started investigating what it would look like if, if, we, if that Bible study might become a church. We didn't know. And so that's what led me to call back over to Little Rock, and I talked to Bill Wellens for the first time. And that conversation was a turning point for me because he was so encouraging. And I explained, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. Um, here, here's what I do. Here's, here's, here's my gifting. And I'm looking for someone who, who's the opposite of that. And he said, man, we've started this residency program where we're training young leaders to be, you know, the, the lead directional pastors of, of these church plants. And we've got a couple of them here now. And uh, he didn't tell me their names. He just told me how to get in touch with the that group fellowship associates. And so I just called over there and you know I've, I've said this often I thought I got transferred to another country because Eugene answered the phone. And we started the conversation and I can I can tell you you know honestly that every conversation we had uh whatever topic it was about as far as it went with the church we agreed we could finish each other's sentences. We have the same passion for the church. We have the same vision for how it should be done. Now we're totally different personalities, of course, but just the way we saw church from the New Testament, we that was that was easily the most agreeable part of, of our conversations. And he said that I would call him about every ten days, and I didn't have a plan for that. Mm-hmm. I just thought, hmm, this this is interesting, and so it just opened this whole box of possibilities. And then I, I'll say two things that Bill told me. Or at pieces of advice he gave me, and then let Eugene comment. Um, he said, uh, "Just remember what the church is. Basically, uh, church is people. It's not our campus today. The Fellowship Bible Church people see this campus, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But it's really the people. Mm-hmm. So having a house church is just having church. Right. So remember that you're having church right there in your living room." Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought about that, and, and theologically, I understood that, but I really, that really resonated with me. And then he said, "You know, if your wife's not supportive, this isn't going to fly." Yes. And so <laughs> that was pretty obvious. And we had five kids at that point, and we found out the second week of our Bible studies that we were expecting number six. Mm. And so we were considering birthing a church and a baby, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> another yeah. baby. And so it was a, it was a, it was a cool time, you know. That winter, just just investigating all these possibilities and really not knowing where you were going to go, Mm -hmm. what was going to happen, right? Just didn't know, right? But willing to take just take the next step. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why it became just put one foot in front of the other and see what doors the Lord opens.
0: Right. So Eugene, you come here, move from the residency in Little Rock. Talk to me a little bit, if you can remember. You're you're young. Uh, This is new. This is. a, a solid group, but there's nothing that exists yet. Um, there's people and there's vision and there's excitement. But for you, was there was there fear to that?
1: Yeah, I, I would look at that original group and just say, you know, you had incredibly high capacity people. Um, and so in that sense, really solid, but there was also a lot of woundedness amongst that group of people. They'd been through church experience, a portion of them. They weren't all from the same church, but uh, a portion of them had been um, deeply disillusioned. And and God was doing a thing in their heart, and they had enthusiasm. But there was also um, a little skip in the step that was lacking. There was just, was just a bit of woundedness. Uh, and, and so my description is that... Um, there were both sides of the uh, equation that were present in everybody. Um, there was great aspiration, great expectation, and also apprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I felt that. I felt that personally because I was coming into a situation where um, there was some woundedness. I, I was new to this community. I didn't know anybody Um Randy and I were going to do ministry together, and we didn't know each other. When we, Randy's right, we had the same view of what church should be, but um, we had to build a relationship, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's almost as though uh, you know we were. It was an arranged marriage. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> and and now you have to figure out what this looks like, mm-hmm. and, um, and we're still
2: working on that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but uh, the, the you know the. We'd celebrate 20 years of the church, Amen. but we've been working together for 20 years. Yeah. And we're two fallible characters. Um, and and it's as, it, it, I want to celebrate this relationship yeah. as much as I want to celebrate the life of the church, right. because it is a very
0: rare thing it really for is. two guys to partner and do this for 20 years. Yes. So let's talk about that for a minute. It's extremely rare for two people to begin and 20 years later um, sit in the same room and love each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, um, if you could coach other leaders, other church leaders, other people that are in the, in the same arena, what would you say would be the, um, the, the, the secret, you know, what, it, what is the, what is the thing that led you guys to say, you know, after 20 years, we're, we're healthy and we and we understand one another. And this relationship is more solid than it was 20 years prior.
1: So there's so much there. I mean, there's a, there's a book there, really. Um, mm-hmm. So the first thing is you got to realize that 20 years on, Randy and I are both more lovable people than we were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Sanctification makes that clear. Mm-hmm. So uh, 20 years ago, there were edges to us that life um, had yet to wear away, God had yet to to redeem. Um, so how do you as a young person persevere to this point? I think there, um, there's lots of things to keep in mind. The first thing is that um, it's important to be different. So if you want to partner with someone that ought not be a carbon copy, one of the things Randy and I have been unique in is that everything he's strong at, I'm horribly weak at. Um, so th- we're not competing for the same realm at all. Um, that makes it a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, in too many partnerships, people are fussing over, you know, who is going to write the budget, who's going to stand behind the pulpit. We just don't have that dispute. And then the other thing I think is super important is you've got to love the church more than yourself. Mm. That at the end of the day, I care more about this church than my place in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that is what keeps you going together. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the same in the marriage, right? You love the Lord more than you love your own role in the marriage. Um, and it's the same
0: for us. That's great. What do you say, RP? So Randy, for you, when you, when you look back at pictures of yourself 20 years ago, what do you see? What do you see in Randy Pearson? Well, I look exactly
2: the same. Number one, uh, Not true. Not <laughs> true. Um, I think uh, when this started, Eugene was right about the wounding that was there. Um, it's, it's like going through a loss. Uh, you're preaching soon on mourning, and so uh, that's kind of what it was. We were going through a period of mourning over a loss uh, of ministry, and so I was functioning uh, emotionally. I was I was kind of fragile. And I kind of expressed that to to Bill and to Eugene at the time. I'm like, I'm sort of. So I look back on that that initial six months, um, even before Eugene came, and I realized I was what strength I had was from the Lord only, mm-hmm. because I was very weak emotionally, mm-hmm. probably the weakest I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I think back on that, and I go, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I can't, <laughs> it's like where you, you definitely can't take credit because you're, you're not in your own strength. Yes. It's in the Lord's strength. And that's, not, that's, that's the right thing to say, but it's actually, but that was your experience. It's absolutely true mm-hmm. that the Lord led us and gave us the strength and gave us the words and the motivation and the people and the resources and all the things that Eugene's talked about. Uh, and it was, it, it. you know, Psalm 27 was on my heart there. Um, about waiting on the Lord, you know. I would have despaired if I hadn't seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be strong and be of good courage and wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Jane Campbell calligraphied that and saw my wall in my study. Mm-hmm. But that was the verse for that season, Uh for me personally. There were some, a lot of other scriptures that I could go back to and talk about. But, yeah, that's that's where I was emotionally at the time, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah.
0: So, you would say, if you look back at pictures of twenty years ago that Randy Pearson was emotionally fragile and yet um completely open to the Lord working his work and and not
2: in your own resources right yeah and and that's always the the challenge is to fall back because I'm a resourceful person, mm-hmm. and I can definitely fall into the camp of- Make it happen. Make it happen, yeah. And Eugene would call me the make it happen guy. That's mm-hmm. why, that says word for me. But the other thing Eugene did early on- well, I have on, lots of words for you, Andy. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that, um, and I, th- I think the mistakes that came into play, if even, if I have, you know, go back, anytime I look back at my ministry for 20 years, I would go, well, anytime I try to do it on my own, it didn't go as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the other thing was that- when expressing this fragileness to these guys, Eugene Eugene used an analogy or a m- a metaphor, I guess, um, but he, he was speaking my language. I'm a golfer; he's not, and um, he makes fun of it actually. But um, he said, "I just want you to get your swing back, Randy," mm-hmm. and that was that was what I need to hear. Yeah. So knowing that the guy you're working with is for you mm-hmm. and and is willing to work through those. Especially those early days, like you said, we didn't know each other, right. and uh, and so, and we were ten years different. Mm-hmm. You know, difference in age. Mm-hmm. Eugene was thirty, and I was forty when we started, and um,
1: and, and culturally, so different. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a South African from a big city. You're an American from the mountains. Yeah,
2: um, very different. Just very different people. Mm-hmm. So the thing I would say to people, like Eugene said, as far as advice. Um, well, I've always said because of the Lord's unique work here that we wouldn't write a book on how to do it mm-hmm. because we just, we just walked through the doors he opened, yeah. you know. Yeah, We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so the, the God's advance team was way ahead of us. Right. And, and we, it was hard to keep up yeah. at times because yeah. the doors were just flying open and we were just stepping through them. And milestone after milestone happened because of that, and and we were just like, thank you, Lord. Yeah. And people's lives were being changed and transformed. We were seeing able, had, having the ability and opportunity to work in our community, and and then eventually see the church expand in a way that we always hoped it would. Yeah. Um, and so I I, I would say, uh, so advice wise, I would say partner with someone who's different, like Eugene said. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with really good people. Mm-hmm. Always, always look for you know chemistry mm-hmm. and character and competence mm-hmm. in all your hires. Um, and hold for me in my role is to hold things loosely Mm -hmm. and to realize, because I would, I would part of my, part of my, um, part of the, part of my responsibilities were starting ministries and handing them off Mm -hmm. all kinds of different things where we would, we would grow a certain area, hire a staff member, and I would just hand off that Mm -hmm. area over and over again, doing that even now. Yes still doing that yeah. and so pull things loosely it's not yours Yeah, uh, this, this church doesn't belong to me or Eugene it yes. belongs to the Lord mm-hmm. and if it did it would be a huge failure yes. <laughs> because we couldn't make it happen yeah. the Lord is the one that has to sustain and grow and allow it to flourish and I think that's what we've seen is that as we've kept our hands open he's blessed
1: Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there is there is something to that Um, you know I mentioned earlier how Randy and I are very different and our 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 work style is very different, so Randy's a classic generalist, um, you know that we joke about he he's done everything, and if he hasn't, he can do it. Um, I can only do two or three things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me I, am, I, I revel in specializing things. Uh, but if you can just specialize and put me in a niche, I'm happy there, right. Mm-hmm. I could not have started a church by myself Mm -hmm. because you need a generalist. Right. Because there's just, there is so many different facets. Someone who wants to focus on leadership and teaching. um, Well, there's a whole lot more to starting a church than that. Yes. Um, So there's absolutely, I know there's no way we would have gotten where we are had Randy not been involved in the various steps. I've described it that, I'd cast vision, uh, a vision of a preferable future. And then Randy would tell me what the steps would be to get there, right? Because I know what I wanted, how we get there, you know, how you make the sausage, I'm utterly disinterested and incapable of doing. Yeah, um, And so that's what made us a great team. For Randy, though, there was the emotional loss because he's, he's in a sense been forced into specialization over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's made for a good team.
0: Yeah. So Eugene for you um if you could go back in the DeLorean and and go back 20 years ago and say something to yourself what would you say what you know now that you would want to say to your 30 year old self what would you say
1: goodness sake like, i know there's so many things um i'd tell him to do less um i was uh, I I, t- I did too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a people pleaser. I would have done even less people pleasing uh-huh. back then, um, and and not take things so personally. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's such a long list. Immaturity is so broad. Um, uh, I would have addressed pride. I, I would have addressed. Um, uh, work life balance that would have been a big one mm-hmm. did not rest I should have I would have encouraged the younger me just to enjoy the day <laughs> and that's and good. that's one of the problems of being visionary right you're always thinking about the future so it's hard and Randy's done a great job in, in my life of like uh, we would get to climb the cliff or get to the top of the mountain summit and this is the dream we had this was the vision we've accomplished it and my immediate impulse is, right. what's the next summit? And RP would uh, say, well, can we just stop and
0: enjoy this moment? Can we enjoy the view? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Randy, how about you? 20-year-old, if you were what you know now, if you were to go back to 20 years ago, what would you say to yourself?
2: Well, a lot of the same things Eugene said. Um, I, You know, I'm, I live in a fallen body, and um, – and I'm stubborn, and you know God has to hit me upside the head with a tuba before to get my attention, which is not an uncommon trait for a male, you know. Um, I guess. So, but but you know, a sense of um, I would I would I would worry about the future, the unknown, and I would I would waste a lot of energy and anxiety on thinking about what might happen. Mm-hmm. Especially when I was in the process, if I was in a season of giving up something, I was like, well, what's going to happen? How, how am I going to land here? And that's always worked out. And looking back on it, it's worked out beautifully mm-hmm. and, and, and well. And so another, another philosophical illustration we use around here is that uh, don't think of the pie as getting smaller. The pie keeps getting bigger. And it's not like when, when you separate off something, well, I, I'm not as as big a part of the pie as I used to be. No, that's not true. The pie just keeps growing. Yeah. And so that that's true. Now, the reality of fleshing that out through life. So I would just say to my younger self, be patient. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. Trust the Lord. Uh, Set your pride aside. And as long as you don't worry about who gets credit. Mm-hmm. So you got to give up credit.
1: It's so hard. I mean, every young pastor says that, right? Yeah. I mean, I've never met a young pastor who says, well, I really want to have my name on the marquee. Um, everybody says, I want to be generous with ministry. I want to give it away. And uh, we all say it. And we all want to believe it. But the reality is mm-hmm. um, the pride of life mm-hmm. is in everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you, you have to have that conversation with yourself and with your partner all the time.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's let others speak well of you, not your own lips. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, like my, my, you know, you go back to love languages and things like that, encouraging words is something I need. And and I live with a guy who's full of sarcasm. So... uh. (laughs) <laughs> but he's been very encouraging today. So I, I, this will this will last me another ten years, right here. right. You won't get out <laughs> I mean. and the good news—you can just play it again and again. It's recorded. I'm off the hook for
1: another twenty. <laughs> You're the man.
0: Oh, so let's let's talk about this for a minute. Um, recently, um, one of my mentors in the faith, Larry Crab, passed away. And one of the unique things at his funeral, Larry said, at my funeral, it would drive him crazy at a funeral when they would just talk about good things about the person. Larry said, I want you to share th- the bad things. I want you to share about, you know, the the, the that, that I was at times self-centered, and I want you to share that uh, these sort of things. So mm-hmm. think, you know, in the 20-year history, let's think organizationally here, n- not specifics, but... but it seems as though the 20-year history has been uh, fairly up and to the right. I mean, that's what it would seem as an observer. But were there historically, kind of organizationally, were there rough patches organizationally that you look back and you say, yeah, these were rough patches and this is what we learned from it?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, those are enormously defining, uh, you know, (laughs) A lot of it is always personnel-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when you, I, I just had this conversation with Randy not long ago. I had a recollection of a staff person really was a bad fit, and um, and I remember in those early days it was so hard to find high-caliber people because you're mostly an idea. You're not yet a church. So you're a, it, it's not that an attractive environment. I, I now look at the people who want to work at fellowship um, and, and make it clear that they would like to work here and they're awesome and we may not have an opportunity for them. And I'm thinking how different that is from the early days where we were trying to persuade people look, this church has a future and you'd be a part of it. And, um, and and sometimes that didn't work out. You, know, mm-hmm. you had some staff folk that just were not good fits. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that 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 was hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the casting vision to those guys and gals at the times where you're saying, okay, here's our dream, here's where we are, here are resources, and so you're really recruiting pioneers, even on staff. And you're that's the kind of person you that were that that was showing up early on. You know, the first five hundred people and. And, which is a different personality than the, the folks that are showing up today. They're more settlers and people who are looking for, a, you know, a done deal. Mm-hmm. And But you have to have that, that kind of personality early on, especially even in your staff. And so, yeah, the um, – and, yes, rough patches were – it might have been – it wasn't always staff, staff situations. But uh, I, I think uh, Eugene's done a great job of helping us um, put down on paper what we believe and who we are. And one of the dreams I had that I, that I did see coming out of seminary in my first 10 years of ministry was just the need for any church to have stable leadership. And it's probably the biggest blessing here at Fellowship is our leadership, uh, not just from our staff, but our elders. Mm-hmm. And that's been, I mean, there's not been a blip on the radar in 20 years with that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, no drama just just encouragement and a, a commitment to protecting the truth and protecting the church. And those guys, I mean, just, I mean, we go, and so that's that's another reason. It's like we, you can hold this church with open hands is because it belongs to him. It's in leadership, steady and safe, and we're all replaceable. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm a journalist. I can do a lot of things, but the church would be fine if I wasn't here. And it will be fine one day when I'm not here. Mm-hmm. So that's, 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 if, if, if that wasn't true, we wouldn't be very good leaders. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think that makes the real difference in the blessings of God over these 20 years is, you know, there is a reality that for all of us, it is a process of, of having those open hands. And you guys have spoken to that. But the more that you live into that, the more that God matures you in that, the more you have the open hands to say, it really is not about me. And and the, I think the Lord can s- looks at that and says, I'm going to continue to pour out blessing because this is a container um, that can hold that. And I think that's the incredibly encouraging thing about this church and so a couple more questions for you guys what are you thankful for
1: oh it's a long list yeah that's uh, I'd, I'd start where randy just ended i'm so grateful for our elders mm-hmm. you know I, I know lots of people in ministry and they approach elder meetings or deacon meetings whatever their leadership structure is but with Great apprehension this is going this is always a tug of war, and we've never had that um and we have a glorious day and I'm super grateful for that um I know Randy and I also agree grateful for our spouses that the best have, um, ever have um have navigated this with such grace and um classy yeah it's not it's not easy um but they've they've been awesome at it, and I'm grateful for the growth. You know, um, it's it, it it's not a sign of success, and success is faithfulness. Uh, but frankly, it's a lot more fun than the alternative. Amen. Mm-hmm. I agree
2: with that. I, you know, I can see why the church exists on into eternity because it never it's never done. You never finish, and so it's it's to be a part of the, of the local church is an aspiration for life, and it and it's fulfilling in and of itself each day, but you never you never complete it, and so it's like so every day is exciting, mm-hmm. uh, and the future is exciting, and and to be at a healthy spot where we are, and to know and to have the resources the Lord's blessed us with and steward us as, as is allowing us to steward. it's very exciting about what could be even tomorrow in the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yes, we'll still have our, our flesh in the way mm-hmm. and we'll continue to make mistakes and have to ask forgiveness. But, mm-hmm. but it's exciting to be part of a healthy church with a bright future mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and the Lord's continuing to go before us and to open doors and, and just seeing, you know, uh, uh, our young staff mentoring them, seeing them grow in their faith, and and handing this off to the next generation too—that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all a part of who we are in, in our seasons of life right now. Mm-hmm.
0: You you actually led us there, Randy. To um, kind of one of my final questions is: What are you dreaming about for the next twenty years? Yeah, Gene, what are you dreaming about?
1: Sandy beaches, <laughs> beautiful sunsets. <laughs> That'd be good next week. <laughs> I'd go nuts. Give me a week and I'll revel. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm always the same person, right? So, I uh, give me a summit. We need a we need a new summit, and so it changes when you start. It's um, okay. We need to survive. How do we survive? Um, and so, and too few do survive. And, and then you get to like, okay, how do we sustain? Uh, and we're at a whole new realm now as we go into our 20th year is, um, is pretty much how do we multiply? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's, that's an exciting chapter for me is um, it's, it's, it's like we have all the pieces of the Lego hmm. finally in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we
2: get to build and that's, that's cool. exciting. That's yeah, cool. I agree with that, I, I, and I I think empowering and releasing believers to do ministry our um, our own people, and so seeing that discipleship process go to the next level where they're reaching out uh, more and more and more, and we we are a, a bridge building church, non island church. We don't exist for ourselves; we exist for the world, and and so just seeing that expand is what's super exciting. And like I said, it's a it's, you know. Um, we we started talking about you know what's retirement look like. I don't think I don't know if I ever retire because ministry is always there. Now, vocationally, it might be some changes, but someday. But um, I'm I'm as excited today as it was twenty years ago when we started. And people often ask, "Is this what you thought it would look like?" They ask me that all the time. And I, I think a healthy church should grow. And and so yes. It is what I thought it would look like. And I say that with all humility. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought if given the, the, the right ingredients and the right resources and the right people and the Lord, again, opening the doors, not us doing it ourselves, mm-hmm. that this is what should happen yeah. Yeah. in a community like ours. Yeah.
0: So final question. We've talked a little bit about what you've learned about yourself. What have you learned about God over these 20 years? I know these could be whole books, these questions. But what have you learned about God?
1: He is way more generous than I anticipated.
2: Above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. Yeah,
1: he is. Uh, and, and in this season, it's something my wife and I speak about often. I mean, we, we, we don't lack for prayer requests. We have our prayer requests. This is not heaven. Amen. But my goodness, compared to my expectations, um. Like Randy, I expected it to grow. I think one of the benefits we had all along was we had a vision of what the church should look like. Um, We bought 30 acres up front uh, because we did think large. Um, But it has been the stories, the relationships, the friendships that we have had, um, not just on staff, but uh, in the congregation, people I have spent 20 years with. Mm -hmm. And the idea of spending... My adult life with these people, knowing them, um, seeing their children grow, marrying those children, um, and and by that I mean officiating at their weddings, uh, I have but one wife, and uh, and and doing all of that, um, seeing the beauty of the Lord through every stage has been such a gift. God's generous. Mm.
2: That's right, and I, I do think that you know, for whatever I wouldn't call it sacrifices, but for whatever, whatever what does it take to do ministry for a long time in one place? There are so many blessings from that, and the Lord's been gracious to allow us to stay in one spot and, and, and flourish really, um, and enjoy the, the benefits of, of pastoring in all those seasons. And, and holding the hands of those who lose loved ones and celebrating when babies come and, and at weddings and, and, and seeing people baptized, you know, and just, it's fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God's been
0: good. Yeah. Well, I want to end with this just for you guys, for me personally, for both of you, I think of Jeremiah, I think of Psalm 1, the tree that's planted by the streams of water that gives shade And for me personally, as a leader and as a pastor, you guys have given me shade to be under your branches and to flourish and thrive in my role and in my position through the shade that both of you have provided as leaders. And I'm deeply grateful for that. Too kind.
1: I can't but help mention that I'm
0: always willing to throw shade in your direction. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would end by saying, can we have a hug? But I'm not going to go there. Uh, not a chance. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Will. Thank you for joining us today on the Storyform Podcast. For more information about Fellowship like? Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.